0: Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Was Abe Lincoln honest? Does this dress make my backside look big? Perhaps it will. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Maybe you remember that commercial from a few years ago. Uh, the lesson this morning, obviously, is brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes with us could save your life. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get, uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. One of Abraham Lincoln's nickname was what? Honest Abe. Sometimes it's a problem to be Honest Abe, isn't it? Um, you can open your Bibles. as I said, to 533 through 37, we're gonna look at that uh, scripture just right now. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, for, uh, or by Jerusalem, or by, excuse me, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Uh, This passage is much more than an instruction on how or when to take an oath. Jesus is teaching us about a characteristic that is more than just telling the truth when you're called to testify. We want to look at what Jesus says about integrity. Jesus wants followers who are known for their integrity, who have a reputation like that of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Before we actually get right into this verse, let's just review real quickly where we've come in this series. Uh, The first week we heard Jesus lay down some markers or traits that followers of his should exhibit. And you remember those, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, hunger and thirst for righteousness, be merciful, And so on the last several weeks we've heard Jesus talk about specific commands and what they require for a follower of Jesus and it's it's kind of those uh, you have heard it said verses right where uh, he is contrasting what the culture of that time was was thinking was correct and correcting their thoughts on those issues so as we look at the teachings of Jesus in this series it's crucial though to note that these Christian character traits are not requirements that are necessary to become a follower of Jesus, but they're the character traits that we should strive for when we decide to be a follower of Jesus. And this is important because there are some people who believe that once once they look at uh, something like the passages on the Sermon on the Mount, they think it's okay, I cannot follow these traits. They are way too hard, they are way too exacting. I am not acceptable to God because I can't follow these. I'm not good enough. And consequently, they never make a decision to follow Jesus or become a baptized believer, or they fall away from Jesus. Most of us, though, here today have made the decision to follow Jesus, but we can still have a bad take on these verses. Uh, Randy Harris, a professor at Abilene Christian, writes about several different ways that Christians may handle the Sermon on the Mount because of the difficulty of what uh, the instructions are. Uh, number one, we can do this. Number two, church leaders can do this, but it's too hard for me. Uh, these teachings of Christ are too hard for anyone, and if we try to follow them, it leads to legalism. Need to go ahead and forgot about the clicker, patent, Sorry about that. The teachings are too hard, but they show our need for God's grace. Keeping the laws literally is not the point. Number five, they, yes, they are too hard, but by God's blessing and grace, we must try to keep them. Number one is the no problem, I can do it attitude. Um, John Stott, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, says any, anyone with that attitude has not read the, the sermon very closely. Numbers two, three, and four, I would call kind of a cop-out, really. Because it goes something like this, these teachings are just too hard for someone like me to attain. And if I try to follow these le- rules, it will lead to legalism. Uh, they're laid out by Jesus just to show you, us how much grace we need. And so literally keeping them is not the point. It's all about love. That's the only command. I would call that particular um, type of thinking in 2, 3, and 4, the outback approach. And you probably, uh, if you're familiar with one of their slogans, it's just, no rules, just right. And that's a pretty good motto for a restaurant. You order the steak the way you like it, right? Um, It's just right for you. Um, But it's bad motto for a Christian. You're settling for a watered-down discipleship. Jesus told us that therefore, uh, earlier in our series, therefore whoever relaxes one of these, least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus says this, he is saying to us, you can do this. This church believes that we can do this. Number five, I think, gets it right. It will not be easy, though. It's be hard, and we cannot do it on our own. That's the key to realize. We must follow Jesus by living this sermon and doing what Jesus says. We accept the challenge and the obligation that we have as followers to work diligently to live as Jesus commanded. These are exacting standards, and really we need to look at it as the only reasonable way we could possibly strive to successfully live out these standards is if we are followers of Jesus because we recognize certain things. Number one, we fail often. I'll just give you a quick example because I think this applies to everyone. I know it applied to me. Tracy, a couple weeks ago, preached about anger. Just think right now, how soon was it that you were angry at something or somebody after that Sunday morning sermon? I guarantee you at some point in time between that time and today, You have been angry, because it's hard, isn't it? Things are going on in this world that cause us to get angry. Things are going on in our relationships that cause us to get angry. We interact with people that cause us to be angry. Somebody pulls in front of us as we're trying to go down the road and violates our right-of-way and we get angry. Um, And so so it's hard. And therefore, we need the grace of God continually. So we fail often, we need the grace of God continually, and we must have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, which we're not going to get unless we're followers of Jesus. And we need the support and encouragement of our church community, which we're not gonna get if we don't be part of a church community. So we can't do it ourselves. We need all those things in order to mold our character as Jesus would have us mold our character. So you have heard it said, that you should not swear swear falsely, Jesus starts in this part of the sermon. At the trial of Bill Bill Cosby, sorry, for several sexual assaults, and we're all familiar with that occurring uh, within the last couple years, but one of the persons testified, one of the victims testified that she had been at a party in Hollywood area uh, where there was a lot of drinking and drugging going on, and she was there and Bill Cosby sexually assaulted her at that party. The defense attorney was ready for cross-examination. The reason he was anxious to get up there was she had written a book. And it was one of those tell-all books about Hollywood. And it talked about all these parties she, she willingly participated in and all her escapades with different famous people. And so you can see the line of questioning, right? How can you complain now when that was something you enjoyed doing and actually wrote about in a book. But even better, she wrote about that party. And guess what? Didn't mention anything about Bill Cosby in the book. No assault, nothing about him other than there was a party and he was there. Now, there are some possibly reasonable explanations why she would not put that in the book. Uh, that alleged assault that she testified about but her answer was not one of them she said I wasn't under oath when I wrote the book that probably didn't go over well with the jury luckily for the prosecution there was a whole lot of other victims that had a little more credibility the people of God though were following the same reasoning the command was that if you swore to God you were obligated but they reasoned the legal requirement was to say to God and omitting the to God relieved you from the legal obligation. In other words, people were doing what people do. I can tell you anything I want, I can make the story as juicy as I want, and it's okay because I wasn't under any legal obligation to tell the truth. There's a law rule or command. We often want to restrict the reach of that rule to some technicality, or what we call the letter of the law. Uh, Tracy has pointed out the use of that approach by these o- Old Testament folks over the last few weeks. And true enough, it's a good theory of interpretation when we're talking about the civil law. <clears throat> for instance, the speed limit out here is 45 miles per hour. An officer cannot decide today that no one should be traveling over 35, even if he has a good reason for thinking that. It's unfair to us who uh, those of us who are relying on the speed limit sign the letter of the law can be a good thing to protect us in that kind of situation. However, Jesus is telling us the letter of the law theory is a bad theory in the kingdom of God. Trying to restrict God's instructions to, uh, for moral living to a technicality misses out on the heart of the instruction, and that's what you've been hearing throughout this series. So what is the heart of this section on oaths? <clears throat> Some believe this heart, the heart is uh, teaching us to refuse to be placed under oath or or sign an affidavit where we swear to God that we're telling the truth. I do not think that is the heart of the teaching. Uh, Likewise, while we are not supposed to testify and we're commanded not to testify falsely against our neighbor, I don't think the main thrust of Jesus' teaching here is simply about telling the truth. You'll notice in verse 33, he says, uh, you know, here's the problem. You shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. It's more than about testimony and telling telling the truth. Because we have all been in the situation that was cleverly used by the Geico folks, right? In that Lincoln commercial. Someone asks us a question and we, we intuitively know I cannot give them a truthful answer. Right? We don't want to be bluntly truthful. That might be even... That's, you know, that's just not right. We need to fudge a little on the truth, or maybe even a lot. Uh, so it could be just as innocuous as Mary Lincoln saying, how does the dress make me look? Or it could be as serious as the Gestapo asking you if there, you have some Jews hiding in your office. And we make those those decisions about being truthful in that situation. Some hard decisions, but I believe the, that Jesus here though is, is looking at more than that. The heart of it is about our integrity. Uh, and this examination is, goes then much deeper than whether a formal oath is required or whether we take pride in telling it like it is. Uh, we want to talk about integrity. So we want, So Jesus wants us to consider whether we do what we promise we will do. Do we fulfill our obligations? Can we be trusted to do the right thing? Uh, Dave Weldon, a resident of Brevard County, he ran for Congress in our area in 1994. I know I was already a county judge at that time. It was his first try for office, and of course we like to go and hear uh, what the uh, campaign speech is uh, for those folks. So at that time, there was a great dissatisfaction with Congress, Uh, I guess there's always a great dissatisfaction with Congress, nothing changes. But back then, you may remember the popular movement to have term limits. Uh, Florida actually enacted term limits for our state representatives, but you could not do it for federal government. That's a constitutional issue. And so, there were several people, uh, campaign uh, candidates at that time, who ran on the promise that I will self-term limit. So I'm only gonna run for four terms, and then I will I will retire, that, that'll be my, my term limit, and for Congress that would be eight years. And he pledged that if elected, he would, he would self-term limit. At the end of his first, fourth term, what do you think happened? He ran for office, in other words, he kinda just proved exactly what people were trying to do. Yeah, once you get up there, I don't wanna leave. Uh, I attended a campaign talk at a Qantas club and he was asked about his term limit pledge. He first pointed out that there was no legal term limits on congressmen. Well, we knew that. That's why he made the pledge in the first place. Second, there were many people who thought he had done a great job representing our area, and they had begged him to run again. But I imagine when he first ran, he didn't think he was going to do a bad job. He probably thought he was going to do a good job. So nothing surprising other than he just wanted to stay in power. So he didn't get my vote in that election but he did get 63% of the vote for a fifth term. Those Old Testament folks were making, were making promises, and term limit amnesia was the, was the word at that point. Uh, those Old Testament folks were making promises by taking an oath on the temple or on Jerusalem to do a certain thing, just like Mr. Weldon's promise to do a certain thing. I imagine that most of the time, they intended to follow through on their obligation. Given the benefit of the doubt, they intended to follow through. Just like Mr. Weldon, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. He intended to quit after four terms. Interestingly enough, he did quit after seven terms with the statement that he didn't want to be a career politician. I also imagine, though, that if the obligation became a little too much of a sacrifice for them, Or they just changed their mind they knew they had their legal excuse to break the promise just like mr. Weldon knew it was perfectly legal to run for a fifth term they had a gotcha they had not said to God Jesus says it's wrong to fail to honor one's promises that's what we learn in his kingdom when we promise to do something or become obligated to do something when we say yes or no there is no out We are not to call upon some loophole. We do not avoid our obligation because it has become too much of a sacrifice. Jesus wants us to consider our covenants, our promises, our obligations that we make in our daily living and consider whether we tend to look for easy outs. Or do we make our best effort to fulfill those promises and obligations if it is at all humanly possible, no matter what the cost? The bottom line, Jesus is not saying that it is wrong to take an oath to God. It is wrong to think that we only have to do what we promise to do if we take an oath to God. Jesus wants to be us to be people of the heart and not people of the letter of the law. What is legal or not legal in this world is not what we as people of God should ultimately rely on when determining the right thing to do. Now we're blessed to live in a country that has the rule of law that's important when we're talking about those kind of governmental civil things and sometimes we get so wrapped up in that kind of thing that then we start thinking about letter of the law and if it's legal then it's okay to do it without considering what god or jesus would have us do jesus wants to know wants us to ask the questions of our question of ourselves. do you have integrity Many years ago I was holding, a court, holding court for a civil case docket and the dad of one of my high school friends came in. He had had a heart attack. He was out of work for a year. He was a manual laborer, so he obviously wasn't making any money. And he was being sued for uh, labor, uh, for medical bills. And I think owed somewhere around $10,000. And he came in and he was, you know, he was sorrowful that he couldn't pay the debt, and the, there was an attorney representing. I think it was probably the hospital or the doctors. And he, you know, he said, "I, I want to pay it. I can't pay it." He described, you know, he described that he had had the heart attack, that he couldn't work, um, and but he was just, uh, you know, there was nothing he could do. And the offer to him was, "We'll settle for three thousand dollars, if you can make monthly payments and pay it off, pay that three thousand dollars off in a year." And so the case was settled. They signed off on that and they went their way. So about four or five years later, I I, uh, ran into him downtown and uh, he looked pretty good. And I said, how's everything going? And he said, man, I'm blessed to be back at work. My health is great. It's just been a real blessing. And then he told me he was also blessed to have been able to pay off the entire $10,000 debt. I said, didn't you settle for three? He said, yes. But, I'd owed, but I owed 10. Now, we can sit around and start talking about it, and if, because that's the first thing I started thinking, but we should not start thinking like, well, those doctors didn't need that much money anyway. 3,000 is, 3, is plenty, so on and so forth. But his, he's a man of integrity. He knew he had, they had helped him in his time of need that the rate was $10,000 and he wanted to pay it off. That was his idea of integrity. So, we look at what Jesus says and he says what? Let what you say be simply yes or no. We make promises, we become obligated, we enter into contracts and we make covenants. How serious are we with our yes In our no last week we saw the issue of integrity and covenant played out right here in our auditorium i think tracy this was an inadvertent boost for my sermon by tracy but remember that tracy was talking about the marriage covenant and we're talking really about covenants and obligations and promises but he talked about the fact that paul had said that the marriage covenant is like the covenant that jesus has with us, right? Jesus is the husband, and we are the wives, basically, in that in that uh, passage of scripture. And then Tracy asked Bob a question, and Bob refused basically to answer. If you remember, Tracy said, "Even in the best marriages, nobody's perfect." But Bob, you would admit that even Sandy is not perfect. And Bob wouldn't answer. He, he was just as uncomfortable as Honest Abe. He wasn't going to admit anything about Sandy. He pleaded the fifth. And if you don't know what that is, that's the, you know, the, that's the old, I, I plead the fifth. Any answer might incriminate me. So you can't plead the fifth in church. I mean, you know, God knows. <laughs> um, but let me tell you this. A man of integrity honors his marriage covenant. Think again about Paul's point in light of this week's lesson on integrity. We all have a husband of integrity, of perfect integrity. Our husband is going to stand up for us when the question is asked. Peyton talked about that at the Lord's, Lord's Supper up here. Of course, we have no clue how Judgment Day will happen. So we kind of imagine things, you know, in our mind. We, we hear about what? The, the, what kind of gates? early gates right and someone's gonna be up there and got our the book open and gonna judge us and that kind of thing so we can imagine that kind of thing but we do know this we don't really know what's gonna happen but we do know this is going to happen Jesus is going to keep his covenant and despite all the sacrifice despite all the ways that we have failed as followers of his he will stand up for us and when the question is asked like was asked to Bob He's gonna present us as perfect and holy before our God. The answer for when our name is called will be perfect. uh, Jesus is a model of integrity for us. He is also our comfort and hope as we strive to his kind of integrity. So how can we work on our yes or no? I think we need to have regular times of accountability. Uh, You can do it in two ways. You can self-evaluate on a regular basis. You need to be doing that on a regular basis. You need to be evaluating your covenants, your obligations and your promises and determining if there's anything and best way is to write it down. Anything hindering you in performing and fulfilling your promises. Are there things that are taking your time away, taking time away from your spouse or kids that should not be happening? Are there apps on your phone that get in the way of giving your full attention at work or school or church? We would think it completely crazy if I pulled this phone out and said, hold on just a minute, i got a call. But in fact, we sit in the pew sometimes, and we pick up that phone, and we've got a text, or we've got a Facebook page we've got to respond to. We're doing the same thing as if I picked it up and took a break. Do you make excuses or blame others to justify your lack of integrity? The other way is is probably even better. You need to have someone that you can sit down and talk to as your accountability partner and and help you in your accountability evaluation. It's, It's pretty scary to decide, you know, I'm just gonna go ask the boss, give me the straight scoop on how I'm performing as an employee We kind of like to just avoid that, right? Just do our job. Um, It'd be, it's even kind of scary to sit down with your wife or husband, your spouse, and say, give me the straight scoop. Tell me one thing I'm doing that just really doesn't do it for you, that that tells me that you're failing in your covenant. Um, But finding someone who is not just interested in making you feel good, is most interested in helping you to be a better person a better teacher a better spouse a better parent that's what you need because iron sharpens iron I know that I, I was a better prosecutor and a better judge because of my partner both in the prosecutor's office and on the court David Morgan we were we were pretty brutal we could be pretty brutal with each other you know That closing argument was pretty lousy. Here's where you messed up. Um, Or, you know, you can't go out there and say that. That's not the right thing to say. When I'm writing an opinion, I get a little too snarky sometimes. Imagine that. Um, And you you need that person to say no, that's that's not what someone, that's not what a judge should do. We are well aware we are well, we probably should pray for all our politicians to get better accountability partners in, in the way they go about their business. But, but think about doing that and looking, let's look at a few common areas of life and then we'll be we finished as far as the obligations and covenants we do. I think there's, there's some that I think um, we're probably pretty much all of us. Um, in, in some of those categories, some of us are employed by someone else. We've agreed to per- perform uh, certain duties in certain ways in order to return a certain benefit. And in honoring Jesus' teaching on integrity, we do not cut corners, do the bare minimum required, undermine the goals of the company, complain about the pay, or be a divisive force in the workspace. An employer should be excited to have a Christian working for him or her because of the good work ethic that a christian has and our integrity if you cannot do that because you're just in a bad employment situation then you you remove yourself from that obligation because you can say you can say no but if you say yes then you have that commitment to fulfill we are citizens Of the United States we have some citizenship obligations we're called to be in Romans we see we're called to be good good citizens and be obedient to the laws of the land we're fortunate to live in a country where as citizens we can have a lot of input in fact that up there says we're we're in charge you know the people up there governing governing us are at our consent and so we have a citizenship covenant um, that's manifested in many ways and we can talk about a lot of different ways, but just think about Martin Luther King. Uh, He used a winning argument uh, as part of his speeches during the Civil Rights Movement. If you remember, it was a nonviolent, we don't wanna change the government, we don't wanna throw the government, we're not here to tear anything down. He said, I'm here to make claim on the promissory note of the Declaration of Independence. He's saying we have a covenantal obligation to treat all men equally, and that covenant needs to be followed. And as I said, that that appealed to most everybody because it caused us to remember our promises and obligations as a citizen of this country, and it also reminded us of our Christian duty to fulfill promises. How do we hold our government to its promise? Well, I talked about Dave Weldon earlier. I didn't vote for him, but 63% of the people voted for him. Maybe Congress is a problem because we are a problem. We're not taking it seriously enough. So, do you take seriously the obligations of your citizenship covenant? Most of us are members of this church family. The relationship with this family, like any other covenant relationship, is not based on what the family can do for me. The focus is on what I can do for my family and what I can learn from my fellow followers. In scripture we see the importance of the ways we have failed, excuse me, of of a church family in the process of learning Jesus and being held accountable for that growth. People that can pick us up when we fail. The church is not meant to be for those who are just like me. And in one respect, you know, it's really meant to be a place where I can learn to put into practice the lessons that Jesus is teaching us in this series on the Sermon on the Mount. Kind of this is almost like a laboratory. And we're going to hear a lot of stuff in the next coming weeks on how we should be. And man, we can just work on putting it into practice right right here. Um, You are going to get in the next couple of weeks a church covenant. And we as leaders have put together a church covenant. And really it's just a compilation of scriptures that we think speak to uh, our roles and our obligations as as uh, members of this family. And it should be helpful to remind us of who we are and who we want to be as a church. So be looking for that church covenant. Most of us are followers of Jesus. Repenting, stating our determination to have Jesus as our Lord. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit through baptism. We come out of the water promising to live for Jesus. And we've entered in that, to that covenant relationship with God. Our promise, however, is not to tell Jesus how we will follow Him. We cannot be an outback Christian where there are no rules and my life is ordered by how I would like it. So we study the Word. We recognize the importance of series like this where we are working through basically an instruction manual on living like Jesus. We have said yes to Jesus, and our yes includes a determination to put those instructions in practice. We cannot say, that's just too hard how is your yes doing finally the good news the best news I should say there's a there's there's a yes involved on the on that other side of that covenant Jesus says yes to us the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit are on that side we have entered and it was illustrated earlier God has made a promise he will keep his covenants even if we fail on a regular basis to keep our side of the promise. In fact, God will sacrifice everything to fulfill his covenant. We we read about that right here, and just as we do every Sunday, we remember it right here. That shed blood in there is a sacrifice of integrity. When we have Jesus as our covenant keeper, a true savior, one who will present us as those who are holy, and without blemish, how can we as followers of his not make our best sacrificial effort to live out his words, be known as men and women of integrity, and bring honor to his name? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being able to look at a portion of your scripture this morning. And Father, we, uh, as we go through this series, we I just ask you continue to bless us as we learn the heart of your instructions. Uh, Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the covenant that you have with us and the promises that we know about. And Father, we just uh, ask that you continue to help us as we work to be men and women of integrity, that we will look at the promises and obligations that we have, Father, and, and, and evaluate where we are and look for help, Father, from others from the Holy Spirit from you as we continue to on this uh, path of becoming more and more like our Savior Jesus Christ. And it is His name that we pray. Before we're dismissed, uh, just a couple things. Um, first of all, the prayer wall. Don't forget about that. And let me clear up Tracy's Um, stuff on what's coming up. This Thursday we will talk about the Supreme Court nomination because we we wanna just kind of explain some of the things that are going on. You're gonna hear things about a religious test, and is a religious test okay? You're gonna hear about people of praise. And so we wanna talk about about that nomination process. On Wednesday, October 14th, CareNet will be here in the Founders Hall uh, to give us a presentation about their work. Um, I think there's gonna be like a 30 minute 30-minute kind of uh, uh, video and then You can move me forward there Um, and then uh, They'll have some uh, dessert for us to share and they'll answer questions about it. They'll ask for um, It's an opportunity if you want to To give to that ministry, but you're under no obligation to give we want you to come listen to the program because at the conclusion of The programs we want to have a prayer as a church group about this process uh, and just generally about what's going on in our country as far as the election is concerned, the Supreme Court nomination, and you know the added uh, added issue of the president having having the virus. So a lot of stuff going on, and we want you to be there to be with us uh, to pray as far as that's concerned. Uh, with that, you are dismissed.